بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد كتاب السلام باب فضل السلام والأمر بإفشائه قال الله تعالى يا أيها الذين آمنوا لا تدخلوا بيوتا غير بيوتكم حتى تستأنسوا وتسلموا على أهلها وقال تعالى فإذا دخلتم بيوتا فسلموا على أنفسكم تحية من عند الله مباركة طيبة وقال تعالى وإذا حييتم بتحية فحيوا بأحسن أحسن منها أو ردوها وقال تعالى هل أتاك حديث ضيف إبراهيم المكرمين إذ دخلوا عليه فقالوا سلاما قال السلام This is the chapter with regards to salam Salam is in this context the name of the greeting of a Muslim for another Muslim, which is prescribed by the Sharia. Uh, the word salam also is one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's one of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's uh, divine attributes, one of his sifat. Salam is the one who is whole and free from defect or blemish. Salam also uh, oftentimes is uh, uh, translated as peace. But it's peace not as opposed to war or uh, strife. Rather, it is peace as in freedom from defect. This is a chapter regarding the virtue of reading the greeting of Salam and the commandment to spread that greeting. Allah Most High says in His book, O you who believe, do not enter any house other than your own house until you seek permission. Testetnisu until you are... Uh, uh, you're, given permission, you've sought and, and, and obtained permission, and you uh, have said the greeting of salam uh, on, on the people of that house. And Allah Ta'ala says in uh, His book, when you enter houses, then pronounce the greeting of salam on yourselves as a, 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 a greeting from Allah Ta'ala, which is blessed and which is pure. And the idea is that if you enter your own house even, the first ayah talked about what to do when you enter other people's houses. Uh, this ayah talks about when you enter your own house. Just the fact that it's your own house, your own family and your own children. Sit, sit up, Shahir, sit up. When you uh, uh, enter your own house and you uh, uh, enter on your own family, you should say salam to them as well. In fact, when you enter your own house and the, the house is empty, also, a person should say salam, and the, the form of saying salam when you enter uh, your own house is that you say assalamu, alay, assalamu alaykum, like you would say if someone was there, and then you say assalamu alayna wa ala ibadillah salihin, like you say in the tashahud, in the tahiyyatulillah, in the salat, you would say assalamu alaykum, and if you receive no reply, you say assalamu alayna. وَعَلَىٰ عِبَادِ اللَّهِ الصَّالِحِينَ These are both ayahs of Surah An-Nur. Allah Ta'ala says in Surah An-Nisa, If you are greeted with a greeting, then greet uh, that person or return the greeting to that person with a greeting that's superior to that greeting 
or at least return that greeting back to a person. So if someone says to you, Assalamu alaikum, you say at least Assalamu alaikum back, but you can say Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. And then after that, it's the qawl of Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu that there's no idafa on top of that. Some people will add some other stuff, but the, the correct opinion is that, that you don't add on top of Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. So if someone says to you in the beginning, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu, you should say to them, wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. If someone says to you, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, then you should say to them, wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. Or, wa alaykum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. You should at least return the greeting in the same form that is given to you or in a better form. To return the greeting in a lesser form is a, a, a breach of adab and it is a, 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 a mukhalafa, a, a, a infraction, an infraction of the commandment of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And more often than not, it's a manifestation of kibber. It's a manifestation of, of, of arrogance in a person. So there's nobody who doesn't deserve this right. It's a, a very clear commandment of the Qur'an that you return the salam in the equal form or in the superior form. This also happens sometimes you say salam to somebody and they don't say wa alaykum salam to you at all. A person shouldn't fear that. A person should, the person that they're commanded to say salam to, they should say the salam to them. Inshallah, if that person doesn't return it, the angels return it, and the person receives their reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, if that happens, one shouldn't, shouldn't worry. In fact, those people who their arrogance prevents them from returning the salam, that person's salam is probably not worth a whole lot anyway. Uh, but you receive the, the greeting from the, from the angels and you receive the reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is the whole point of doing this in the first place. Uh, did, you, did, you, did the news regarding the honored, uh, honored guests of Sayyidina Ibrahim reach you? Um, and these honored guests are who? They're the angels. When the angels came to visit him with prophecy, did you, did you receive the news regarding the honored guests of Ibrahim? So they came to him in the human form and he wasn't aware initially that these are angels. salaman salam. That when they entered, uh, they entered upon him, they said salam to him and he said salam back. And uh, uh, you know, what you want to take from this is what? The nisbah of this, this practice of saying salam to one another. Is that is the, the nisbah is toward who? It's toward the angels, to the malaika who are beings of light that carry out the divine order uh, and they don't sin and they're purified from, uh, they're pure spiritual beings that are purified from the, uh, uh, from the impurities of animality, of being, of being an animal. Rather, they're purely spiritual beings. And so the nisbah is, of salam is what? It's from that celestial realm and from that spiritual realm and from that divine realm. And the returning of the salam is from the human beings the purview of the people of belief and the purview of the of nubuwa of prophecy it's sayyidna ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam uh, he's the one that it comes from obviously it comes even before that from sayyidna adam and we'll get to it but uh, the idea is that the nisbah to this practices to the prophets alayhi salam so whoever wishes to be uh, one of the followers of the prophets and one of those who are like the prophets and whoever prefers that their sunnah be the sunnah of of the celestial realm uh, and of the spiritual realm rather than that of the animal realm, then let them adopt a greeting of salam. When Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Amr ibn al-Asi radiallahu ta'ala anhumah, 
أن رجلا سأل رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أي الإسلام خير قال تطعم الطعام وتقرأ السلام على من عرفت ومن لم تعرف متفق عليه سيدنا عبد الله بن عمرين بن العاصي رضي الله تعالى عنهما الله تعالى uh, gave him guidance he was one of the first people who accepted Islam Abdullah bin Amr his father Amr bin As will accept Islam far later he accepts Islam during the early days of the da'wah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he is a very educated person he is a literate person one of 10 people who know how to read from Quraysh from before uh, uh, from before wahi came down and he will accept he will accept Islam uh during the early early time of the Prophet Sallallahu preaching and his father will accept Islam in the uh, uh, um, somewhere in I think the f- the fifth or sixth year of Hijrah so he will accept his father will accept Islam like more than a decade later the interesting thing about these two is that there's only 13 years of age difference between them the father and son the record the um, the mic yeah, I think there's no battery in it, inshallah. I'll just shift over here and speak loud, inshallah. So there's only 13 years of age difference between the two of them. And uh, both of them are very interesting people. Sayyidina Amr bin As radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the father, he's a very interesting person. He's an extremely shrewd person, except for his shrewdness and his intelligence kind of hits a wall uh, when he's opposing the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This happens with some people, intelligent people. They're uh, accustomed to getting their way because of their uh, intelligence and being able to play off other people, especially more simple-minded people, kind of being able to play off of them, use your intelligence to kind of get what you want out of life. But that will all obviously hit, hit a wall when you're trying to uh, oppose Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa But at any rate, uh, Abdullah bin Amr bin As radiallahu ta'ala anhu is one of the first people who, ex- who, uh, who uh, accepts Islam. And he narrates that a man... Asked the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam which which khasla, which attribute or uh, uh, val- which of the values of Islam or which of the traits of Islam is superior. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam answered, he says like what is, which trait is there in the uh, the the Islam of a person which is, makes that person's Islam superior to that of another? And Rasulullah said that you should feed people food. And this is a, a mashallah, a Shaykh Amin classic. He said that people are always ready to get up on the ulama uh, when you tell them not to eat at McDonald's. They say, Oh, but it says in the Quran that pe- food of the people of the book is permissible for you. And that's another technical fit question, right? Obviously, the Quran does say that, and we don't discount that. The problem is you don't know who's actually slaughtering your, your meat, and because of the doubt, Whenever there's a doubt in a matter, things stay on their original ruling, which is that meat is haram until it is uh, slaughtered through a ritual process by either a Muslim or by one of the people of the book. So he said that people are very keen to quote that in the face of the ulama, but the ayah says what? 
that the food of the people who were given the book, meaning the people of the book, is halal for you, and your food is halal for them also. The second part of the ayah people don't really think about. Meaning what? You're obsessed with eating their food, right? The way the ayah mentions it is that at least your obsession for feeding your food to them should be equal, shouldn't it? Uh, uh, and so this is the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. he's asked what is the sifa of the person whose salam is superior what is it uh, you feed food to other people this is another thing that drives me utterly insane it kind of it scratches the chalkboard of my soul uh, which is what even with your people nowadays with their own friends they don't buy food for one another there are things like, fine, you're not going to go to someone's house and pay their electricity bill. It's their problem, let them pay for it. But what? Buying food for another person, even if you buy food for a bad person, theoretically, you'll, you'll still get reward for it. Even if you buy food for a bad person, you'll still get reward for it. You'll still get the reward of sadaqah because nobody, no human being is Allah Ta'ala that they're free of need for anything. And you've taken care of the need of one of Allah Ta'ala's creation, Allah Ta'ala will reward you for it. Because Aslan, the rizq comes from Allah Ta'ala. It's his, his promise and it's his responsibility he takes upon himself to feed his creation. And you took that upon yourself to assist and to participate in that process, Allah Ta'ala will richly reward you for it. It's really dollar for dollar one of the best things you can do with your money is to feed people. This doesn't mean that if you only like make you know $500 a month that you should like go and spend it all on everybody. But what it does mean is that if you can afford it from the types of sadaqah that you give people or it's from the types of, uh, of money you spend on people out of love for them and out of hope for reward from Allah Ta'ala, feeding people food is one of the best of them. It doesn't necessarily always have to be at a restaurant. It can be you cooking something. It can be you cooking something and bringing it from home to the masjid, to the gatherings of dhikr and ilm, to the uh, uh, to you know your children's school or to your to your own school for that matter, to uh, 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 you know all sorts of different you know gatherings of people, whether it's for Muslims or for non-Muslims or for uh, uh, the men or for the women or during Ramadan or outside of Ramadan or any of these things, you'll see this that Muslims are very good about this that they'll always do something or another. I mean, even if you have to, even if you buy like a you know if you like you know buy like drinks for people or. Bottles of water. I think bottles of water are abhorrent because of the waste involved in like the, the packaging and all of that stuff. But the idea is that even if it's something as simple, if you can do it in a way that's not as like utterly wasteful as like, you know, the amount of garbage that just like giving five people water makes, which doesn't have to be there. You can do it like, you know, you, you put, put water in glasses or whatever. But the idea is whatever you can do in order to feed somebody, uh, um, dollar for dollar, uh, it is one of the best sunnahs that you can do and for dollar for dollar, the, one of the most amount of reward you can get. In the sharia, when you give something to somebody, uh, there are a number of benchmarks you know, by which you can know which gets more reward and which gets less. So giving food or drink or whatever to the pious will obviously reward you more than giving to the impious. Giving to a Muslim will garner you more reward than giving to uh, someone who's not a Muslim. Giving to your own parents will garner more reward than giving to someone else's parents. That being said, there's no human being that you're going to feed except for, except for you'll receive reward in it. Unless maybe if that person is like actively in the act of, uh, uh, in the act of like uh, um, disobedience to Allah Ta'ala right now, right? 
So someone's like, I don't know, like murdering people actively right now. And you're like, hey, you look like you're thirsty. Here, have some water. And he's like, thanks. Now I can murder people better. Don't do that. That's that. But very few people are in that state at the time. You know what I mean? So even if a person is a person of a different faith, there's still a, a lot of khair in, uh, 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 it doesn't matter. You know, you really shouldn't, we shouldn't be people who are like that. Like, oh, I'm going to give to the Muslims. I'm not going to, you should give to every, Allah Ta'ala gives to everybody. And you don't know what, you know, what niyyah you give with. Maybe that person will have a good effect on them. The, the pure risk of a believer, when uh, someone else eats it, it has an effect on them. With the halal thing that you feed another person, it has an effect on that person. There are people, so many people I know, like anecdotally, there's only one person I've met who converted to Islam from a different religion. Doesn't mean that there's not more out there. But anecdotally, meaning only in my own experience, not like some sort of statistical study, every single person that accepted Islam at least cut out eating pork from their life for some reason or another for some time, and then all of a sudden, la ilaha illallah starts to make a lot of sense to them. Or they became vegetarians, or they did something. All of the halal risk has a, has a great, great effect on a person. Uh, and obviously, you don't just feed someone because you're like, ah, good, this guy will convert, convert score. It's like I have an app that keeps track of it, like a Fitbit or whatever, and like all these people. Even if nobody becomes them. But the point is there's, there's fawa'id, there's a lot of benefits to it, and that's part of, somebody, uh, that's a part of somebody's deen. And I, think it's, I see it's a part of the deen that people have kind of like slumped off on and have kind of lost. Uh, uh, so what is the... What is the, 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 the the trait of, a, of the best of Islams is the Islam of the one who feeds other people food. Uh, that you should recite the greeting of salam over the one that you know and over the one you don't know. Don't be clickish Chicago people. Don't be clickish Chicago people. People come from the outside, they're like, oh, everybody's in their clique. And, uh, you know, I don't feel like I belong over here. That's exactly what the deen shouldn't do. That's what the deen shouldn't teach. Don't be one of those people that you only say salam to the people at, at the masjid that you know. Okay? Say salam to the person you don't know. Say salam to the person you obviously, there's like, no one's going to say salam to them. Someone who, you know, what is it, right? We're not clan members that we're supposed to, like, when someone comes into the masjid, be like, boy, you don't look like you're from around here. That's not how, that's like, that's the chasla of people we detest. Those are people who, they're, they're, they're completely steeped in the, in the uh, practice, in the attitude of jahiliyyah. What should we do? When someone comes into the masjid, boy, if you're, if you're an MSI, someone's obviously not, an, you know, MSI, mashallah, is a wonderful masjid, I love it, mashallah. I go there myself from time to time, I give khutbah myself. One of the beautiful things of MSI is it totally reminds me of being in Karachi for some reason. Okay. If somebody is in MSI that doesn't look like they're from Karachi, go say salam to them if you're there. If you're in a, wherever you are, if you're in a place, someone, someone looks like, especially the one who uh, looks like they're, they're not from around there, instead of like taking crowbar and knocking a taillight out, go and say salam to them. Say, you know, is there, if people show up early to a masjid, why? Because they don't know when the prayer time is. Like when you see people like that, Go say salam to them. Walk over and say salam to them and, uh, uh, you know, see what's going on. Sometimes they, so, there's some brothers uh, uh, that are like really, uh, like they're scary looking brothers. 
I'm one of them, right? Well, there's some real scary-looking brothers. Some dudes, they walk into the mustard, they're like, oh my God, what is this, what is this guy going to do? Some people have, like, tattoos, and, like, their hair is all wild, or they, they look like they're from, like, a foreign country or whatever. Go and say salam to those guys, okay? First of all, your weird fears that shaitan puts inside of your head, uh, that this guy looks crazy and he's not going to do nothing or whatever, uh, or he's going to do something crazy or whatever, usually they're actually very unfounded. I found that those people are very nice people more often than not. Okay. Secondly, is what once you make that people once you make that person feel comfortable in the masjid, you have drawn them closer to the deen of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. And it's not even something for people who are far away from the deen. I myself, I walk into a masjid. I don't know how people are going to treat me. I go to places. I give talks. I'm at the airport. I'm this, that, or that. I don't know how people are going to accept me, not accept me. Is someone going to accuse me of something? Is someone going to say something weird to me? Is there, are they going to be like, oh, you're not part of our group. You don't follow our madhab. You pray like a Shia. You this, that, another thing. You don't know how, what, how people are going to react to you, right? The old people in this ummah, the people who came before us, they used to have an understanding that a stranger is a Mubarak person. This understanding is not based on superstition. This understanding is based on the Sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Bada al Islamu gariban wa sayyudu gariba fatuba lil ghuraba. Islam started as a weird something weird, right? Gharib, gharib means something like, like weird in like a slightly bad way. Ajib means weird, strange as in like wonderful. Like what if you met a guy who was like seven feet tall and like whenever he opened his eyes, like rainbows came out. That's like ajib, subhanAllah, wow. Everyone would like love someone like that, right? What if you met someone like, like dude has like all tattoos and all this. You don't know, maybe somebody like accepted Islam, made toba from all that stuff and just doesn't have like the $10,000 for the surgery or something like that. Or you see someone with one eye and you're like, oh my God, that guy looks weird. And it's not his fault, whatever happened. It's not like somebody like stabs their own self in the face or what. Things happen to people, right? That strangeness, Bada al-Islam al-Gharib Islam started like that. Why? The Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa how many people met him and all they knew about him is that this man is a sorcerer. That this man is out of his mind. That this man is crazy. That this man is a soothsayer. That this man is a, 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 an oracle that this man is a liar and he's a cheater and he's this, that and the other thing. How many people, that's the first impression they had of the Prophet ﷺ. And what type of dirty looks did they lay upon him him, ﷺ? What type of dirty looks did they lay upon his Sahaba ﷺ? Thinking that this is what these people are. And guess what? Same thing right now. Because you people are such wonderful people. Look at you spending your uh, Sunday evening learning Riyadh al-Salihin. And you're so uh, pious where everybody else is, is uh, partying and doing God knows what and hasn't remembered Allah Ta'ala in you know, weeks and months and years. And still, when you go in a group of people, you're the one that everybody puts the suspicion on. You're the one everyone thinks this guy is going to blow up the airplane. Whereas you should be the one there. When they see you, they're like, oh, this guy is going like, to you know, buy a Coke for everyone on the airplane. This guy is going to feed everyone on the airplane. This, this, this sister, I can leave my baby with her. This woman with hijab, I can leave my baby with her if I need to use the bathroom or something like that. Because she'll take care of the, the, the child the best. Because she's the one who loves everybody. Now they think, what, she's probably going like to eat the baby or something like that. God knows what. They watch so much news and all this other nonsense. It scares the living daylights out of them. So what? Bada al-Islamu gariban wasayyudu gariba fatuba lil ghuraba. Glad tidings, glad tidings, blessings to who? To the strangers. So you see someone strange, a stranger at the masjid. Dude, they're they're coming to the masjid. They're not like they're not at a liquor store. So 
you should assume, right? You should assume that 98% chance this person is A, a good person and B, they're here for something good. You don't have to hand your wallet to them. You don't have to give them your PIN number for your house, your credit card, whatever. You don't have to do any of that. All you have to do is just go say, Salam, how are you doing? You know, try to like in nice words, you know, try to in a circumspect way, find out what does this person need and try to fulfill that thing for that person if you're able to. Uh, and this is, this is what the old the people who came before us in the Ummah, they had an understanding that, that strangers are Mubarak. If a stranger shows up like at the masjid, at the nikah, when you're getting married, you invite them over to your, your, your wedding. I remember when I was a kid, before I even knew what Indonesia was. Indonesia is obviously the most populous uh, Muslim country in the world. I had uh, uh, the second grade and third grade teachers at the, uh, the, the second grade teacher I had in elementary school, third grade teacher in elementary school I had. They, uh, you know, they have these like around the world tickets. You can buy them like within a certain amount of time. You fly anywhere around the world. So they, they did this like around the world tour. And so they showed a slideshow to us. Uh, um, they showed a slideshow to us about this like whatever year they took off and went around the world. And um, one of the places they went was Indonesia. And as a kid, they're showing all these masajid. I'm like, oh, cool. They're Muslims too. I'm a Muslim. They're Muslims too. I don't know where Indonesia is, but like, you know, I know where Pakistan is. And in Pakistan, we're Muslims. And these people obviously seem to be Muslims as well. So they mentioned that. They mentioned that they're, they're, it's a Muslim country. So they said that they went to a place and there was a wedding going on. And they saw that these people are foreigners. And they called us over. And they said, you know, in their superstition... Right, strangers are are considered to be like good luck, they're good good luck, good fortune. It's not that. It's not it's not that. We don't have an idea of good luck. We don't say good luck to one another. Luck is not a. There's nothing by as a part of our aqidah, Luck doesn't even exist. Everything is the will of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala that He willed before He created the heavens and the earth. The reason why they got a freebie invitation to a wedding in Indo- Indonesia, right, is what is because the people understood that, that, that you're supposed to uh, uh, you know, uh, extend courtesy to the people that you know and extend it to the people that you don't know. This is a direct quote of the Prophet wasallam. That the, the best khasla, the best uh, uh, trait and attribute, superior characteristic of a person's Islam, the one whose Islam is superior, the characteristic of their Islam is what? That they feed food to other people and they say salam to uh, who, who the people that they know and to the people that they don't know. And so many people in the masjid, you, you, know, you see them all the time, you never bothered to ask what their name was, you never bothered to ask anything. At least go and say salam to them. At least go and say salam to them. The person that you don't know, go and say salam to them. Uh, and this is, uh, this is something that, that uh, there's a lot of khair and there's a lot of barakah and there's a lot of secrets wrapped up in it. Uh, inshallah, some of them we will uh, 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 you know, continue to, to read just in a second. وعن سيدنا أبي هريرة رضي الله تعالى عنه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لما خلق الله تعالى آدم قال ذهب فسلم على أولئك لنفر من الملائكة جلوس فاستمع ما يحيونك فإنها تحيتك وتحية ذريتك فقال السلام عليكم فقالوا السلام عليكم ورحمة الله فزادوه ورحمة الله Sayyidina Abu Hurairah radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he narrates that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, 
when Allah Ta'ala, when Allah Most High created Adam Alayhi Salam, He said to him, go and say salam to those, uh, those, those ones that are over there. And when he said those ones, uh, he meant that there was a, a, a group, a small group of angels at a distance that were sitting around one another. And go and say salam to them and then listen to how they greet you. Uh, why? Because how they greet you, that will be uh, your greeting and the greeting of your, uh, your offspring, meaning the, the offspring of yours that stays in Iman. So he went to the angels and he said, Assalamu alaikum. And they replied to him, Assalamu alayka, Assalamu alayka wa rahmatullahi. So they, they, they returned his greeting and they added on top of it, wa rahmatullah. So this is again the idea that the, the, the greeting of salam is from wahi. Allah Ta'ala taught it directly to Sayyidina Adam alayhi salam and he, he, in, in he revealed it as a commandment to every one of the prophets. The second thing is what? Is that the angels are the ones who taught Sayyidina Adam alayhi salam the adab of how to say salam. Remember we said in the beginning that when, you retur- when someone says salam to you, you should at least return the greeting at the level that they, re- they gave it or you should increase it. So the adab that they learned from the angels is what? That he, he learned from the angels alayhi salam is what? is that they increased his greeting when they returned it to him. That he said, Assalamu alaikum. And they said, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Uh, Allah, the, may the peace and blessing be upon you and the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So they said, Assalamu alaikum. Why? Because he was only one person. We say, Assalamu alaikum. The difference in meaning between Assalamu alaikum is that Assalamu alaikum is when you're talking to one person only. The reason we never say Assalamu alaikum to a person, we always say Assalamu alaikum is what? is because you're not only greeting that person, but you're greeting the host of angels that's with them. There are more than just two angels, the angelic scribes, the kiram and katibin, they have a certain rank with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because they bear witness. And nobody is allowed to bear witness in court except for someone who's upright and who is uh, uh, considered in a maqam of honor. The kiram and katibin, the word kiram means what? That they're, they're, they're the noble angelic scribes of Allah ta'ala. But there are other angels that, that are with a person as well. All of them, with that person, you say salam to them. That's why even if the person doesn't return your salam back, the angels return it to you. Even if mistakenly, even if mistakenly you say salam to somebody who's not a Muslim. Because this is the salam only of the people, the, 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 the humans and the jinns of Iman, and the salam of the angels. If a person is a, a person who has no Iman, then you don't say salam to them. But the adab is a couple of things. One is that you're not supposed to, if someone says salam to you and you don't know that the person is not a Muslim, you're not supposed to say, are you Muslim or not? You just return the salam. You give them the benefit of the doubt. If afterward you notice that they were on the same flight with you to Detroit because they were going to the whatever Nation of Islam Savior's Day celebration or something crazy like that, or like whatever, there's like a, yeah, there's a you know party going on at the local Qadiani joint. Okay, no salam for you from now on. But initially, when you see someone, these thoughts shouldn't run through your mind. Is this person person of bid'ah? Is this person person of kufr? Is this person like, you know, on some kind of weirdo cult or whatever? Uh, 5%, 10% skim milk, homogenized milk, uh, lost found nation of the country of the Islamical ISIS of whatever. You don't, you know, if you don't know, you just assume that everyone is a good person in the beginning. If you find out that they're, they're, that, 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 they, uh, you know, that they're the skim milk and Diet Coke version of whatever, then that's a different fiqhi issue and fi- different fiqhi discussion. But don't say to somebody that, you, that, that says salam to you, the first thing you say, are you Muslim or not? Or that you're not a Muslim. Rather return their salam. Why? Because at least the salam will go to the angels that are with them. 
if that person is a person of kufr, maybe one day the, the, the angels will beat and strangle that person themselves. That's their job. That's not your job. <laughs> you shouldn't like fantasize about that, by the way. It's not nice. Right? But the idea is what? Is that at least in that condition, in that case, you said salam to the angels that, 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 that are there with that person. And so this is the adab of the malaika. This, is, this, is a, the, this thing has a very high nisbah. It's not something a person should be afraid of. We, we have people like that. They're like kind of uh, undercover Muslim in public. They're like, oh my God, oh my God. They're, they're watching us. White people are going to see us. Or whatever color people are going to see us. Or whatever modern rich people, this, that type of people. All these people, oh my God, they're watching. Don't, don't, don't worry about that. Don't really don't worry about it. If you're gonna get fired from your job, there's some scope for whatever for like uh, not saying it. But most uh, most likely you're not going to. I was in the TSA line today uh, in the airport coming here, and there was a trainee, and his supervisor was literally standing over his shoulder, and he said salam to me. I don't think like if in that context the dude feels comfortable saying salam, then I don't think. I mean, most people are gonna be in a situation where it's gonna be like super precarious to to say salam to people. Uh, just, you know, say salam. If you see a Muslim, say salam. Say with confidence. If they don't say it back to you, the angels will say it back to you, inshallah. Uh, but there's a lot of khair, and it, has, it leaves a good effect. It leaves a good effect with people. This is one of the, actually, the interesting things. This is one of the interesting things about the time and place we live in. Um, he's going to get to the hadith later, so I'll, I'll mention it at the correct munasabah. Yeah. And say Abi Ubadata. Uh, Al-Bara ibn Azib radiallahu ta'ala anhu Qala amarana Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Bi sab'in Bi'iyadat al-marid Wa attiba' al-janaiz Wa tashmit al-aatis Wa nasr al-da'if Wa awn al-mazloom Wa ifsha' al-salam Wa ibrar al-muqsim Muttafaqun alayhi Wa ala lafzu ihda riwayat al-Bukhari This is one This is the specific uh, uh, instance of one of Several narrations in Bukhari on the topic, narrated by Sayyidina Abu Ubadah al-Bara ibn Azib uh, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Al-Bara ibn Azib radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Who said, the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he commanded us to seven things. These are worth writing down, they're worth remembering. Worth, worth remem- remembering for the person who has thee. Uh, for a person who has like a pen or paper or whatever, they're worth remembering. Why? Because these are the adab of the awliya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you wish to be one of the people, la khawfun alayhim wa lahum yahzanun, if you wish to be one of the people that neither fears nor do they grieve, if you wish to be the person to live forever in Allah ta'ala's rida, then these are your adab. These are the things that your heart compels you to do, that you don't slacken from, that you do, that you practice, that you make part of your code of honor. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa commanded us to do seven things. To visit the sick. When somebody is sick, you hear about them being sick. If you know them, visit them. If you don't know them, visit them. Obviously, visiting the sick has its own adab. Don't go there with a long face. And like, oh man, you're going to die. It's going to suck. You're this, that, and the other thing. Many of us, we find it comical because we're very... Uh, uh, social butterfly, uh, swan, graceful type people. Not everybody is so graceful, and sometimes in the moment people forget their graces because, like, face to face with the sickness, especially one that is debilitating or has to do with death, gets so real sometimes that people forget about that. Don't remind people. Don't tell people they're going to die. Tell them, inshallah, they'll make it. And and if if they don't make it, don't lie to them. 
Say, oh yeah, 100%. You don't know. Don't lie to them, but just give them a good optimism. Say, don't worry. And if, it, if not, you'll go to the rahmah of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala will take care of things. Make them feel better, whatever the outlook, whatever the, the outlook is uh, for that person. Bring something positive to them. You know, encourage them to, to something positive. But at any rate, you should visit people. You, tell, you can tell who's your friend at that time. There are many people you didn't think you were a friend, they'll come and visit you. There are many people you thought you were real tight with, you are real chill with, and they're not going to come visit you. Because it's hard to visit the sick. It's hard on the nafs. It's one of the best ways to uh, uh, increase your rank. The first one is visiting the sick. The second is tiba, and don't like, you know, go for like an hour and like, hey, can I eat your food? Can I this and that? No. Go, 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 go in a way that's, that, that makes that person happy and helps that person, does khidmat for the person rather than being a burden on that person. Because when you're sick, even a, a small burden becomes very heavy for you. And the second is ittiba' al-jana' is that when a, a person dies, whether you know the person or you don't know the person, that you follow their janazah. What does that mean? That not only do you attend and pray the janazah, but if you're able to, and you should make time for it, that you follow the janazah to the place of its burial, and that you witness the, the burial of that janazah, you help with the burial of that janazah, you take the dirt, if you have a shovel with the shovel, if not, do it with your own two hands, right? You, with your own two hands and say, you know, minha khalaqnakum wa fiha nu'idukum wa minha nukhrijukum taratan ukhra, the words of Surah Taha, that we created you from it, this dirt we created you from it, and from it sh- uh, 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 shall we return you, and from it shall we bring you back another time. From it shall we bring you back another time. Be there to help. Don't be the uh, icky, it's a dead person. Right? Good news. All of you are going to be the icky dead person one day. Get over it. Help wash the body. There's always somebody who dies that has no relative. They need someone to help wash the body. Albanian has a place that they, uh, they wash bodies. Go and find whoever is in charge of it. Sign up. Say, hey, yeah, if you need some help. It's hard. Sometimes, especially a, a really big person, uh, uh, sometimes you need several people to pick them up. Even a person who's like not super big, you know, y- you need at least two people to, uh, to, to, to move the body around, put it on side, things like that, to wash the body. Learn how to do that uh, and do it. And then afterward, when the body is being buried, right, someone has to go into the grave, go down into the grave with the body, put the body on its right side, make it face the qibla, take some dirt or a rock, make it like a pillar so that it rests against the cheek so the head is not crooked down, so the head is, the, the, the line of the back is straight with the neck. Someone has to get into the grave and do that. Somebody has to, uh, uh, you, know, uh, you know, they have like sometimes the, 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 the coffin liners, they make you put those in, the cement liners. They're very heavy. Someone has to get into the grave and, and unhook those. Don't hesitate to do that, right? Don't hesitate to do that. This is the job of the men, by the way. The, the, the women are, 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 are forgiven from going to the graveyard unless it's absolutely necessary. There's no one else to bury the body. So be a man. Go into the, don't, don't hesitate. There are some people, inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi they wouldn't even do it for their own father. That's how, that how much of a princess they are. This is ridiculous. This is really bad. All of us are going to go into our... You're not, no one's that much of a princess that they're not going to go into their own qabr, right? The help or the, the service or the honor of the, the dead is one of the, the best acts of piety. Why? Because it's an act of sincerity. That person will never be able to repay you in this world. You know they're not going to be able to repay you. 
It's completely an act of iman for the for, uh, an act of iman and an act that, that there's no benefit for in the dunya. In in as much as you don't you know you're not going to get any benefit from it in the dunya. It's an act of great ikhlas, of great sincerity. As much benefit you're not going to get in the dunya. That's how much benefit you should uh, look forward to uh, from that act in the akhirah. Everybody wants to give the khutbah. My God, if you want to make money nowadays in the Muslim community, you know what you do? Run a khatib workshop. You'll have like your khatib workshop, it will sell out. There'll be like 40, 50 sisters that'll come to it, mashallah. No, seriously. And the, 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 you run a khatib workshop, you don't know alif, you don't know the difference between an alif and a Chevy Camaro. You don't know the difference between Fatah Dhamma Kasra and like, you know, uh, 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 Tuesday on a leap year. You have no idea anything about the deen, but khalas, the people are taking khatib workshops. Why? Nobody wants to do quote-unquote khidmat unless they're making money or it puts them in a position of power or spotlight or, or shuhra or something like that. And look, you're like, well, you're, you give bayans for a living. Honest to God, like, when I stand in the member, I look at the crowd and I, I say, Ya Allah, these people can't do anything for me. This is for your sake. And still I wonder if I'm going to get any reward for it or not. These things, you got to do these types of things. Why? Because these are the things that they don't happen in front of other people. And so you, uh, 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 you have a higher level of certainty that you're going to receive the reward for them. That grave, at any rate, you're going to have to go into it yourself one day. Don't act like you're better than other people. Don't act like you're better than that dead person or that you can't just take your clothes at home and throw them in the washing machine or whatever. Sometimes the body comes in a very various states of decay. So actually a smell emanates from the body. That's why it's a, you know, you sidder the lot tree leaf in order to eat up the odor, and they use camphor in order to eat up the odor, and they perfume the shroud, and they perfume the body, so that's not a problem. Sometimes the smell overwhelms it even then, right? Guess what? All of us are going to smell that way one day. Mashallah, maybe if you've been like hitting tahajjud like consistently for like uh, uh, the last, whatever, 20 years, uh, maybe you, <laughs> you won't smell like that, right? But if you did think that, yeah, that's me, I'm not going to smell, then you're definitely one who's going to smell like that, okay? So just... Trust me, it's going to be all of us. If it's not one of you and you get to that point and you made it, then please make dua for Mulvi Hamza and for the people who come to Riyadh al-Salihin and listen to it uh, or whatever. But that, that's the, the fact of the matter is this is going to be the end for all of us. Don't be too good. Don't be too cool for school. Just, just do it. Just perform the help. It's good. If you fear it, then do it. You need it even more than another person does. It'll keep, it'll keep you in check. These, by the way, these things are the way that the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala descends from the heart, a tongue into the heart, uh, is by doing things like this. So the second is ittiba'u al-jana'is, to follow, follow uh, the, the, the funeral to its burial, to read the janazah, the funeral prayer, and to follow the person to its burial until the, that, that, that body is completely buried. وَتَشْمِيتُ atis. And to say alham to to say yarhamukumullah after the person who sneezes says alhamdulillah. This is what these are the adab of the awliya. That a person when he uh, sneezes, it's a sign of the vigor of the body. It's a sign of what? A sign of the vigor of the body. That the sneeze is something that happens. The air comes out so fast with such shiddah, with such uh, 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 strength that uh, literally the heart stops for a second. Uh, in order to let that happen. Uh, and so you thank Allah Ta'ala for, for, the, for the vitality and the vigor of the body. And then afterward, uh, the person who uh, hears that person thanking Allah also invokes Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala's rahmah on them. 
the uh, Yahud, there were some of the Yahud of Medina, they saw the barakah of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and uh, they, uh, they wanted, they, they saw his barakah, and they saw the, 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 the righteousness that he had. So they would try to sneeze in front of him, because they know the dua of this Qarashi who came to our city, it's, it's always accepted. They saw it happen again and again, even though they didn't want to accept Islam. So they would try to sneeze in front of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, so that he would, he would uh, uh, um, give them the uh, uh, dua of Yarhamukumullah. So he would give them the dua instead of saying Yarhamukumullah, he'd give them the dua Yahdikumullahu Yuslihu Balakum. May Allah ta'ala guide you and rectify your 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 shortcomings. But this is what this is what, part of the adab of, of wilaya, and it's taught by 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 wahi. By, by revelation that when someone sneezes and says Alhamdulillah, this is, this is something you should do. You should say, Yarhamukumullahu. And uh, uh, when a person says, Yarhamukumullah, then there's another, there's another response. You either say to them, Yahdikumullahu yuslihu balakum, or you say, Yaghfirullahu lana wa lakum. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us and forgive you. Wa nasrid da'if. And when you see a poor, uh, weak person getting picked on, that you show up to help them. This includes your brothers and sisters and your relatives. It includes every Muslim and it includes non-Muslims as well. Right? These are the adab of wilaya. These are the adab of nubuwa. Sayyidina Musa salam, he saw uh, someone from Banu Israel getting picked on by uh, uh, one of the, uh, uh, for, by an Egyptian. What did he do? He intervened. Obviously, the intervention didn't go exactly how he intended it to go. But what did he do? He intervened. This is part of your Islam. People should see you with your beard, with your hijab, with whatever. Obviously, if you're not in a position to intervene, then this is not for you. But if you are in a position that you can do something, when you see someone getting picked on because of a disability, because of their race, because of some weakness that they have, you see someone getting robbed, you see someone getting abused, you see something like this, the, the person who's picking on a weak person should see you and be scared. The weak person who's getting picked on or who get, who's getting abused should see you and say, this one, this one, he's gonna, he's gonna, she's going to show up for me, they're going to be in my corner, they're gonna, now I have some help that's arrived. This is what, this is, what, what is this? This is part of uh, uh, making uh, the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, reminding them of the favor of Allah ta'ala and making, teaching them to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because what? Ultimately, the only one who, 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 who da'ahu, the one who uh, 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 replies to the, to the one who's in dire straits, in a dire situation when he calls out to him, who is it? It's Allah ta'ala. So if you yourself, then take, take, you know, take the, the path that you be the vehicle of the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. First of all, Allah ta'ala will help you. And secondly, your, uh, 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 you know, what you will do is you'll cause people to love Allah ta'ala because nobody will see you except for that they should remember Allah and His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa Someone once asked a rabbi, what do you say about uh, uh, atheists? And the rabbi says, I don't believe that they exist. Everyone knows Allah Ta'ala. There are many people, the reason they say, well, we don't, I, don't, I don't believe in God, is because they just don't, they're not happy with Allah Ta'ala for some reason or another. They have a complaint with Allah Ta'ala. 
Imagine if you're the one who were the, was the cause of somebody to love Allah Ta'ala and to mend the, 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 the broken tie between them and Allah, or the tie that's there to strengthen it, how much will Allah reward you? If you had, for example, a child you hadn't seen for years or hadn't spoken to you for years, and uh, somebody convinced that child to come back to you, how happy would you be? How much would you want to reward that person? Allah Ta'ala loves His creation more than more than what any parent loves their child. 99 parts of Rahmah, Allah Ta'ala, uh, Allah Ta'ala uh, uh, kept, uh, sorry, 100 parts of Rahmah, uh, one part of it, He distributed over all of the creation. They all share that one part. Every animal, plant, everything, a human being from the beginning of time until the end of time, the stars, the sun, the moon, all of these things. The, 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 you know, the, the water, if it, you know, if it, if ice was more dense than liquid water, rivers would freeze from the bottom up and life wouldn't be possible because every winter the oceans would freeze over. Like simple things like that, right? This is all in that one part of Rahmah. And 99 parts he kept for himself. This doesn't mean literally 1% of Rahmah. It's a, this is a figure of speech because the Arabs are innumerate people. They're not people who know mathematics. This means like there's a very small amount of rahmah that you guys are all sharing. All the rest of it was with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So imagine that, that the, weak, the weak one who has nobody, nobody to uh, 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 see for, you know, ask for help from, if you're the one who helps that person, you, you increase that person's iman, you decrease that person's kufr, you make that person love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, how much reward will you get for it? al mazlum, And someone's gotten cheated. Someone's being wronged. And you, you're the one who shows up to uh, help that person. Well, if Shah salam, and you're the one who, amongst the people of Iman, you spread the you spread the greeting of peace. al Qasim. I said Muqsim when I was re- uh, sorry Muqsim. It's Ibrar al Muqsim. This is a typo in the in the uh, in in the, the edition that I have. Ibrar al Muqsim. That if someone swears a, a pious oath by Allah Taala, someone asks like so, you know, you go to uh, 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 whatever uh, a fundraiser for like orphans and they're like who's gonna sponsor an orphan and someone's like oh I'll do it and then that person is like you know like after like four or five months they're like you know I don't have any money it's difficult I thought my father would give some my brother would give some but they're all out of money as well what is, it, what is part of Iman one of the adab of wilai is you take that person by the hand and say don't worry we'll do this together we'll fulfill this, this oath together this thing, these services, all these services people are doing, right? Khalil Center, do you think Bayhuman is like uh, robbing the liquor store uh, by treating pe- mentally ill people? Mentally ill people are not known for their capacity to like earn money for their family and things like that. They need help. Then when they're well, then they can do a lot of stuff, right? Do you think he's robbing the Bahai Fahad? Do you think these guys can't get, get a job with the skills that they have that makes more money? No, they're having their fundraiser, by the way, on the 15th of April, right? Help them out. You couldn't like make Khalil Center yourself? Go help them out. Right? Rebat, we have these classes. Right? Help out pitch in to, to, to like whatever toward the expenses. Darul Qasim, Sheikh Amin, Darul Salam, Mufti Azim and Mufti Minhaj and Mufti Azaz and all the mashaykh that are teaching there. All of your local places where khidmah is being done, Islamic relief and this relief and that. All of these places, right? What should you do? Those people set out to do ambitious goals that a normal person can't do. Be the one that takes them by the hand and helps out. If you can't give them money, give them your time. If you can't give them your time, uh, give, you know, lend them some sort of expertise that you have. 
If you can't do anything for them at all, make du'a for them, be, be one of the people who makes du'a for them. Uh, but these seven things are what? The, uh, uh, visiting the sick, following funerals, uh, um, uh, responding to the, 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 the one who sneezes, the benediction of the one who sneezes, uh, helping the weak, uh, um, or sorry, and, and, and helping out the person who is being cheated or the person who is mavloom that someone did vulm on them, that someone is oppressing them, uh, and uh, uh, spreading the greeting of salam, and taking the person who made an oath, a pious oath, in the name of Allah Ta'ala, and helping that person to fulfill that oath. And helping that person to fulfill that oath. One said that Abi Hurairah radiallahu ta'ala anhu, qala qala rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallama, la tadhulu al-jannata hatta tu'minu, wa la tu'minu hatta tahabu. أَوَلَا أَدُلُّكُمْ عَلَى شَيْءٍ إِذَا فَعَلْتُمُهُ تَحَبَبْتُمْ أَفْشُ السَّلَامِ رواه مسلم Sayyidina Abu Hurairah رضي الله تعالى عنه narrates that the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said you will not enter Jannah until you believe fair enough and you will not believe until you love one another slightly more difficult this is tahabu is, is the, 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 the bab of tafa'ul. And the bab of tafa'ul, the khasiyah of it is that there's no, there's no maf'ul. It's just everyone is a co-fa'il. There's no recipient of the action. Rather, everyone equally co-participates in doing the action. That you will not believe until you all love one another. This is very difficult. There are some people in the ummah that make it hard for you to love them. You still have to love them. This is why I'm not excited about people who badmouth other people in the ummah. Badmouth countries, badmouth races, badmouth sinners. By fine person is a sinner. You, I never saw you badmouth a kafir that much. They have la ilaha illallah. If Allah Ta'ala didn't love, love them, they wouldn't have given it to them. It doesn't mean that bad stuff people do, you have to say good about it. But there's a, there's a line a person crosses in their heart when they... Uh, switch from, from, from objecting to a sin to hating the person who's doing it. Uh, and you're not going to be able to do that until you love one another. Even, even a kafir, you have to love them enough that what? That if that person came to you tomorrow with la ilaha illallah, that you would embrace them. I remember I was sitting in a majlis, right? I don't, I don't know if you remember, there was, there was a, a particularly detestable individual by the name of Ariel Sharon. Uh, he was like a war criminal, he killed all these people, whatever. So I was sitting in a, in a Muslim country in a majlis with, with several people, and they were just taking turns cursing the guy. And so uh, I, said, I said, but if he became Muslim, I would, he would be my brother. They said, no, Allah, if he became Muslim, we'd still punch him in the face and blah, blah, blah. I said, this is a sign, of, this is a sign that you're, you're, this is not for the sake of Allah, this is just for the sake of your own nafs. Imagine Rasulullah forgave the person who, who, who killed his uncle. It was so difficult for him to forgive that person. He just asked him, like, look, Allah Ta'ala, you know, accept your iman and all this stuff. It's, I'm having a hard time. It's difficult for me. If you, just, if you could do me a favor, make it easy for me, just don't show up so much. It's not like he was saying, I hate you or anything. It's that what? He's a human being. It was hard for him. It was hard... Even that person, he forgave him. Even Hind who ordered him to do that, he accepted her Islam from her and he forgave her. 
she afterward will ask him for a number of other things. And he'll be like, okay, okay, whatever. You know, like what, whatever you're asking for here. What is it? It's, a, it's, it's, it's what you have, to, you have to love one another. This is amount of love you should have even for a person who is the worst and most detestable enemy of Islam. Your love for Islam, your haqq of Islam is what? That you should be able to make tasawwur in your mind that if this person came to your door with la ilaha illallah, you will forgive them and you will in fact have love for that person. Even no matter how hard it is. And it's sometimes really hard. It's sometimes really, really hard. Especially when it's something personal. Especially when it's something very personal that happened to you. You lost a loved one or you were let down or you're betrayed at a time that you, you, know, you really trusted someone or whatever. All of those situations, this is something that you're not going to enter Jannah until you love one another. Until you love one another. And the Nabi wasallam says, Should I not indicate to you uh, uh, such a thing? If you do it, you'll love one another. Uh, spread, spread salam. This is a, a, an indicator of a couple of things. One is that when you say salam to someone and they say wa alaykum salam to you, the amount of love in your heart for that person increases. This is why you know the hadith of the Prophet wasallam that it's unlawful to uh, it's unlawful to uh, um, leave talking to a person for more than three days. Um, the mutashahinain, the people who bear grudge for one another, there's a lot of there's a lot of harm in bearing grudges for with for people, especially a Muslim. And one of the harms is what? Is that on the day of Eid, Allah Ta'ala, he, uh, or on certain occasions, and on top of it, He makes an announcement in the heavens that the, to the angels that say to, my, uh, uh, um, say to my servants that you're forgiven, that this day you're forgiven uh, uh, for your sins, your toba is accepted and you're forgiven. And the angels will ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, what about so-and-so two people, that have, they have a grudge against each other. He'll say, leave them, don't give them the glad tidings of forgiveness until they forgive one another, then they can also be forgiven as well. This is really, really, really detrimental, it's really harmful. Getting into fights with people will waste your emotional bandwidth, it will waste your mental bandwidth, your psychological bandwidth, it will, it will waste your time, it will waste your resources avoiding people, arguing with people, plotting and scheming against people. Even if you have a right over that person, Getting into fights with people is extremely like horrible and useless waste of time most of the time, like 98% of the time. If you can avoid it or if you can just get over it, just get done with it, dispense with it because you have too much stuff that you need to do in your life and you have too much and I have too much forgiveness that we need from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to waste our time getting into it with people again and again and again. So this salam, one of the, one of the wisdoms is what? When you have a grudge with someone and you're not talking to them, in the Sharia, the minimum to take you out of that is that at least you're willing to say salam to that person. You see them, salam alaikum wa alaikum salam. It's also recommended if once you've done that, then you're out of the haram. If you recognize, like, look, we're not gonna like get along like peanut butter and jelly, uh, that's fine. You don't have to like invite them over to your house and watch the Super Bowl with them or whatever. You probably shouldn't be watching Super Bowl at, at all. That's not my like fatwa. That's just my own like personal thing. So you can disagree if you want. But uh, but the idea is what is that that once you said salam, you're out of that. And then after that, it's recommended to be like, yeah, how's your mother doing? How's the weather? Blah blah blah. Okay, I gotta go now. Then that's fine. If you're not gonna get along after that, uh, um, that's that's cool. That's you 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 can just be tactful about it and just extricate yourself from that person's company, even if they're like a relative or whatever. But at least you should say salam. One of the benefits of saying salam is what is it increases your love, the love in your heart for another person. 
This is actually one of the reasons the fuqaha say that it's, it's haram for a, a non-mahram man to say salam to a non-mahram woman. Because you put her in a bad position <laughs> that she has to respond to your salam and you're using the sharia for your own, uh, for your own uh, conflict of interest purposes. So, and this is one thing, subhanAllah al it's something that the fuqaha say, in this country because of like weird like gender and identity politics and things like that, people take it really badly when you don't say salam to them. Sometimes you have to say salam to somebody who's like a non-mahram person of the opposite gender, just in order to prevent a greater fitna of them like, you know, going on Facebook and saying that like, you know, whatever, and then just making your life living hell for like the next God knows how long, right? The point is, is this. If you, if you feel so strongly or your, your ada, your habit is to say salam or whatever, when you pass by somebody, just say you can, and, and that person, you know that that person, for example, attends dars with the ulama, that person has studied fiqh before, that person sits in riyadh salihin and the gatherings of dhikr and they're a person of deen or whatever, then what you can do when you pass by them, you just say salam under your breath, you don't have to say it audibly, and then that person, you know, you, that, that person, you can say wa alaykum salam to them in their, in their heart, like, in your heart like that. But this is one thing that the ulama actually mentioned. This is a reason why uh, a majority of the fuqaha actually consider it to be uh, uh, not permissible to say salam to a person of the opposite gender who is uh, 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 who is possibly uh, um, someone possibly that you may be attracted to or they may be attracted to you. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. So this is something that shouldn't be abused. There's a reality in it. There's a, there's a, uh, uh, there's a reality in it. And, uh, you know, once, mashallah, someone special uh, is chosen and you, you know, you're going to get married or whatever, when you're writing your uh, little mushy and embarrassing text messages and WhatsApps to each other, uh, 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 A, don't short share it with Mulan Asab because he's probably going to make fun of you to like the level of persecution relentlessly. And he and your children will probably laugh about it one day, your grandchildren, because uh, he's not going to let it go. So do the smart thing. The other thing is then you can write salam in it. Why? Because you should love each other. So that's double reason that you should always make sure to say salam to your wife. Because so, sometimes we're not formal with the people that, we, that are like our direct relatives. You should say salam to each other. You know, you should say salam, not just salam, say assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. You know, if you say it to your wife, if you say it to your husband, what skin is it off your back if they love you? It's a nice thing. Say it to your children. Make them say it back to you. Don't like let them go until they say it back to you. There are certain people in the Sharia that it's good that you're you're supposed to love them. They're supposed to love you. So use this as a tool in your belt in order to, in order to uh, get that benefit. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala give all of us uh, so much tawfiq. Wa sallallahu tabarak wa taala wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam.